Uh, let's pray, and we'll go into the Word this morning. And uh, we're going to continue our series this Christmas Sunday morning. He shall be called Everlasting Father. Father, we just thank You today. We thank You for this great Christmas Sunday. Lord, we celebrate Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we come into this place excited. Lord, we are the most joyful people on the face of the earth. God, we have more hope than any other person. God, we have more joy because Your Son has been born. That The Savior has come. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, we have a relationship with our God which is up in heaven, and we love it. God, that we would just have that sense. Uh, that we would be the light of the world, a city on a hill, not hidden, because we know You, and we have our Father, which is up in heaven. And somebody said, Amen. 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 Isaiah chapter 9. We've been there kind of for a, a few weeks. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. He shall be called Everlasting Father. Uh, you know, uh, there's a, a few years ago, a story came out, about a young man that was kayaking off of uh, the southern coast of England, I believe. His name was Mark Smith, 33 years old, and his kayak capsized uh, in some really turbulent waters. And when he was in trouble and he didn't know if he would make it or not, he was clinging to this life raft and reaching for his cell phone. The first person he, did, he called was not the authorities or the Coast Guard, or for us it would be 911. Uh, he called his sister and his dad. And it didn't matter that his dad was like 3,500 miles away in Dubai uh, working for uh, the British military. It didn't matter that his dad couldn't get there, but his dad was first on his mind on who to call in the midst of trouble. And his dad uh, did just that. Without delay, he relayed his son's mayday to the Coast Guard, uh, and the Coast Guard was able to rescue him. Who do we call upon at our fo- first moment of trouble? This young man called upon his father. And you know, not everybody can relate to such a picture of fatherhood. Not all of us have had, uh, perhaps in this room, that relationship with our father. Maybe our dads didn't make every dance recital or every football game. Uh, But what about those, what about us spiritually? Who do we call on spiritually? You know, many... uh, for many people, because of their, heaven, their earthly fathers, their relationship with their heavenly fathers a little skewed, or perhaps there's some gaps missing. But who do we call upon when we're in peril? Who is it that rescues us when danger is headed into our path? And as First Peter chapter 2 asks, Who is the guardian of your soul? Who is the guardian of your soul? Who is the one that you cry out to to save you? Read with me Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And for those who lived in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And the New Living Translation, verse 6, says this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Everybody say eternity. Eternity. We're going to talk about that a little bit. The passionate commitment of the Lord of the heaven's armies will make this happen. Some of yours say zealous. You know, Isaiah says to us in this passage, he says, hey, get this. 
This great heavenly king is coming to fulfill God's awesome plan of redemption. There's this plan that's been in place since Genesis that God desired to save a lost and broken and darkened world. And Isaiah is saying, He's coming. He's coming. This great, great, awesome king. He's going to shine upon the darkest places. If you can think about the darkest sin hole in America today, Jesus Christ came to shine His light in the depths of depravity of sin. He came to uh, uh, radicalize and to uh, instill in us this awesome power that breaks chains, that moves mountains, uh, that, that makes all things new. And it says that uh, He's coming to establish uh, His eternal rule of justice and peace, and that He would be as a Father. Can you even imagine a day where there, you turn on the news and there's no bad news? That forever, when we get into eternity, because our Heavenly Father will reign, it will be good news every day. I can't even imagine that there's nothing bad to talk about. There's no negativity, there's no gossip nor slander. There's nothing, you don't even stub your toe getting up in the middle of the night to go to the kitchen, right? I mean, it's just like, I can't even imagine such a day as that. But that's the kind of God that you and I serve who wants to bless us. That's who He is. We can't hardly even imagine never experiencing pain or loss or defeat or suffering. But there is a day in place for you and I because God so loved us. Man, He wants to lavish you with goodness. Lavish you with goodness. And, and I look at this passage, and, I, and it says that he is, a child will be born to us, and we know today that we are celebrating uh, in remembrance the birth of Jesus Christ who has come. And He's already come for us. But how present is this Heavenly Father today? You know, when you think about uh, going throughout your day or your week, and you look at what you see around you, maybe your circumstances, your relationships, your jobs, maybe it's the news, do you feel that you have a very present father, or do you feel that you have an absent father? Some of us have probably grown up with an absent father, one who's not there all the time. I know even in our community, uh, it's hard because a lot of our men work off, gone half of the year. And do we feel that way? I, I get this sense sometimes that we really feel like, yes, there is a God out there, but He's not real involved, right? We, we, wanna, we do things on our own. We'll, we, we know we pay our bills on our own. We know we work hard for our money on our own. We know that we have to take our kids to the doctor when they're sick, and we're you know, wanting, believing that we're going to fix them. And, and different things, we, situations come up, and we try to make it. But in this scope of this world that we live in today, do you feel that you have a very present father? Or do you feel like you have an absent father? That who's out there somewhere, but he's not right here. In my situation, in my circumstance. And I feel like that was what the Lord wants us to talk about this morning. Do you see uh, this eternal father? Where is he today? Who is he? Is he absent in your situation? Is he interested in your affairs? Is he involved in your life? And how good is your relationship with your dad, which is in heaven? Look at this title with me, Everlasting Father, in verse 6. Everlasting Father. Uh, Paul writes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. He says, But there is one God, the Father, from, all, from whom all things are and were and exist in Him. One Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we exist through Him. 
This word, literally right here, what it says, everlasting father, means father of eternity. Think about that. Father of eternity. Some of you are dads about, uh, of several kids, but how many is a father of eternity? This, he's father of eternity. Literally, uh, in Isaiah 9, 6, this is the only verse in Scripture with this title. So let's look at this for a minute. What does this mean? These are verses that we sing songs about and we read all the time, but have you ever dug into this title, Father of, eternal, uh, of Eternity? Let me break it down for you before we get into it. But eternal, what does eternal mean? Eternity, forever, right? Father of eternity. Eternal means that he is the long-reigning king, because this is in the context of a king. He's saying, I'm going to tell you what this king is like. I'm going to tell you what Jesus is going to be like to your life. He's going to be to you as a father of eternity. And it means that he is a long-reigning king. He says this king is going to be called father of eternity. He's going to be a long-reigning king. He is the source of life in his kingdom. And we call him the ancient of days. He is God the Father who is in heaven, who is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He will never cease to be. By Him, all things were spoken into existence. He is before all things, the beginning of all things, and He is the end of all things. We can't even imagine, uh, our brains can even conceptualize that sort of length of time. But mostly, when you think about, a, 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 we talk about presidents in America, but back in the day they talked about kings. You think about, sometimes you're just waiting for one term to end I'm not, I'm not speaking politically this morning, but you're thinking for one term to end so another guy could come, right? Come on, let's be honest, it's Christmas, all right? All right? I'm not telling you how to vote, I'm just telling you. Sometimes you're waiting for one term to end, but our God is so good that you'll never want his reign to end. That, and it's gonna, there's, there's no end in sight. It's so good. It's just going to keep on going. That when we win and we get the victory and God calls us home, we are with God forever. You know, sometimes you know, well, today's a good day and tomorrow may be a good or a bad day. I don't know. But when you get up in heaven, it's going to just get better and better and better. Can you imagine such a place to be, such a, a God to be with? And he's eternal in that way. He's the long reigning king. But he's also father. Father here illustrates that this king will be the most loving ruler. If you had a ruler or a king over you, it would be one like this one who is concerned for the helpless. He's going to consider every single person in his kingdom to be like his child. He'll care for them, he will discipline them, and he'll provide them with such security, such justice, and a very personal loving relationship. You could be like having the president on speed now. You just, you're going to be able to call him up at any time or not. He's going to care for every single person. He's going to be concerned, equally concerned for the rich and for the poor, for the haves and the have-nots. And in his kingdom, there's going to be nobody that does without. But it's going to be done the right way. You think about this father. He's a father figure to his kingdom. And you put these two together. Get this, eternal and father. Eternal Father, together, you know what it means? It means He's not absent. He's not an absent Father like so many dads today. He is, uh, although the earth and the heavens may wear out and time itself will fade, God alone will never stop being your Father. He will never stop being with you, His child. And Psalm 68, verse 5, really paints this picture. That God is a Father to those who need a Father. Isaiah, or sorry, Psalms 68, verse 5 says, A Father... Of the fatherless he is, 
and a judge for the widows. He is God in His holy habitation. God makes home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. And only then in His kingdom do the rebellious, do they dwell in a parched land. God is looking out for those who are down and out. God is looking out for those who, are led, who want to be free from something, who want someone to rule over them, who want righteousness and justice in their life. Have you met the kindness of God? Do you know that kind of mercy and love that God so loved you? Think about it. You know, a lot of people in your life, and you can think about some people who are really, really nice, and you can think about even people in this room, man, she's a sweetheart, or man, he's just a good guy. But you think about the kindness of God, and you've, have you experienced such kindness of a God? You know, I was thinking, um, multi- I was thinking about this sermon this week, and um, as I was going through my, my day and my week, I, I, at different times I was thinking, even like this morning, give you an example, or last night, sorry. Last night I was sneaking into uh, Ari's room to go through to our bedroom, and it was cold. You know, it was like 30 degrees last night, and, and I was thinking, I, I need to check and see if she's got another blanket, if she's cold or not. And so I snuck in there, and she's moving, and I saw that she did, and I got into bed, and I said, hey, tell Beth, did you give Ari two blankets? And I said, yes. And I closed my eyes, and thinking about this sermon, I was thinking, God is, I'm her father, and I'm thinking over her, is she cold? Does she need another blanket? And in that moment, God is like, I'm looking out for everybody that way. How many kids in America today don't have a dad who's wondering if they're cold or not? How many people are going to spend Christmas by themselves, alone? How many people across the world today, even in Africa and South America, kids will go without food this evening? God is the type of father... Like us, when we think about how we can do good to our children, he loves to give good things to his children. And he's thinking about every person on this earth in that way. Are they cold tonight? Are they hungry tonight? And he says, this is the kind of father I am. I'm a father to those who don't have a father. And I look at this and I think, man, God, do I know your nature? Have I met this kind of kindness do I know this kind of mercy and love? Because the Bible says that we were all, and we are, without Him, wayward sons. Wayward sons. God called Israel to care for people like He does. You know, we all fell short of the glory of God. We all walked away from God. We were all His children. We all became wayward sons. And He says to Israel, this, this group of people, He says, I want you to be a light to the world, a a kingdom of priests, a holy nation that's going to bring people back to me. I want you to, and he says, I call you my son. Israel is my firstborn son, is what Scripture says in Exodus chapter 4. And God desires this people. He says, I want you to look like me and turn people back to me. What happens? Israel, they play all the games of the world. They infiltrate and they, they assimilate with the world. And they don't act like his children. Deuteronomy tells us they become a corrupt nation. In Ezekiel chapter 22, you can look there later. But I'm going to list some things that happens. Ezekiel chapter 22, God lists their sins. He says, man, I want you to be a son who cares for people like I do and brings people back to me. Ezekiel 22 says, but hey, you became a corrupt nation. Here's what happened. He says, your nation is full of murder 
There's idolatry in your streets. There's nudity and sexual sins everywhere. There's adultery. There's bribery. There's dishonest gain in the courts and and in the political arena. He says there's in the streets, there's just in every home, there's a dishonoring of parents, teenage rebellion. He says uh, your policies, your politics, they oppress foreign immigrants. They oppress the poor. They oppress the widow. And they even oppress the fatherless. And these are God's charges against Israel. He says, overall, there's no holiness in this nation. The people no longer pay attention to God. And there's a decrease in attendance even in the house of God. And even religious leaders are found out to be hypocrites. Does that sound any kind of familiar to you and I today? He says, man, this is the charge against you, my son. And Ezekiel twenty two thirty says, man, I'm searching, I'm searching the highways and the hedges. I'm looking for someone to stand in the gap, to be as that I've called you to be. And it says he found none. Israel shows us that even in our knowledge, even though we know what we should do rightly, and even though what God has called us to, he says, Isaiah tells us, we like sheep have all gone astray, each turning to our own way. So we need a Savior. You know, when you reject God as a people, our lives fall apart. Everything crumbles. It's just not one part of your life, all of it. I think about, uh, you look at a status of a world that such we live in today. I look at God, if I, if I looked at God as I was looking at Ari that night, and, and I look at God as looking over the world like that today, He's our Heavenly Father, and He's watching our lives fall apart. Our nations fall apart. And he hears the cries of the fatherless. Where do people turn to in a world such as this? Where do you turn to when fear takes you over? Where do so many people turn to when their homes are being taken away from them or their safety is out of their control? Who do you call on when you don't know your next meal is coming from? The medicine is no longer working. And death is knocking at your door. Uh, statistics tell us that girls who grow up, with a, grow up with an absent father are two and a half times more likely to get pregnant before marriage. Uh, they tell us that 60% of rapists, 72% of adolescent, adolescent murderers, and 70% of those in long-term prison uh, grew up without an absent moral father. Grew up with an absent moral father. Without, sorry, a stable moral father. I was thinking about that and I was like, if that is the condition of us physically, when we don't have that moral fatherly relationship, what is it spiritually? When we don't have that stable heavenly father in our life, when we don't have that relationship with him, his guidance, his counsel, his care, his protection, his governance, his example, what is the spiritual condition of so many people who don't have a relationship with their Heavenly Father. You know, so many people in this world are suffering hell on earth, it seems, and, but at the same time, that's nothing compared to the eternity of hell that awaits so many who are in rebellion against their Heavenly Father. And here's the good news, for that reason, man, God's so good, for that reason, He went into business. If you had a business for God, it would be God and sons. You see that on the tackle boxes and fish places right all the time? God and says, Jesus went into the family business. That's so awesome. 
God and sons, everlasting Father and sons. Matthew 1.23 tells us that they, the angel says, he shall be called Emmanuel, God with you, God with us. The family business got started that night. God, Israel called God their father, but they didn't look like their dad in heaven. They didn't act like their dad in heaven. So Israel failed to be that true son. So said, God said, I'm going to send my only begotten son. Israel failed to be a son to me, so I send my own son. Jesus Christ comes into the world. The Word became flesh. He becomes the begotten Son to turn the hearts of men back to God. He sends a son to us who, uh, Matthew 1, or 3, he would please his, uh, please his Father. He would represent his Father. Not only just to Israel, but to every person, all of God's children, he is sent to. I love what John chapter 1, verse 18 says. It says, no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten, uh, begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. Jesus Christ explains to you and I what God is really like. That's His purpose. He's here to explain to you and I, this is what your dad up in heaven is like. This is what He could say to you if you could hear Him. This is the things that He would do for you if you would but yet let Him. And John 5.19 says that he does, Jesus came to do nothing apart from His Father. In fact, He says in John 10.30, I and the Father are one, meaning they're synced together. They are together in one mission, one accord. And He says in John 14, If you had known Me, you would know My Father also. And from now on, you do know Him, and you've seen Him because you've seen Me. Jesus and God are one. Right? And they comes to demonstrate how the Father loves us. He says, I'm the way, the truth, the life that you can know Him. You get this, I'm the only access to know your Father. That eternal Word of God became Jesus Christ. Christ means Savior. It means Messiah. He is Jesus the Savior. Jesus the Anointed One. And He comes to tell you and I that we have a Heavenly Father who is watching over you as you sleep who cares about your dreams, your ambitions, who wants to see every good thing come to pass in your life. There's no father like your heavenly father. You've never played catch with a better guy or never had dad dance with you like that. It's, it's, he is one who comes just because he loves you. That's amazing. It's amazing. Jesus comes to tell us about our father, but he also... John says, becomes an advocate on our behalf, pleading our case to our dad in heaven. And I could sum it up, I'd say it in 1 John four fourteen. It says, the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You think about it this way. Jesus is that place on the road where Father and Son meet. He is the prodigal Son's embrace. He is that moment, Okay? He is that moment where that dad who had his long-lost son ran towards his son, and that son ran towards that. And Jesus, if you could just define him in, a, in an imagery, Jesus, the, the coming of Jesus, as is that coming, it is that moment where father and son embrace. Think about it this way. Uh, you, we, in America, we love watching those videos, and they get really high votes on YouTube, where that soldier comes home, you know, and those kids just run up to dad. That's Jesus. That's that moment. Spiritually speaking, Jesus is the moment where we and God meet. And I think about it as like, shouldn't our relationship with Him be as that moment? 
Is your relationship with Jesus Christ that exciting, that filled with joy and love as just the same amount of emotions that when you talk with Jesus, you spend time with Him, you come to worship Him, and that you know Him, it would be that joyful. It would be that uniting that I get to know God and God gets to know me. And it's like as if you were that child uh, whose dad had been gone for so long, you'd say, my dad is back. You know, we were lost, but now we're found. And he came and ran to us, right? And I think about it, you know, even, um, even Ari, uh, you know, I'll come to the church and I'll work all day and then I'll come home and she's only seen, you know, I left before she got up and I'm gone. And so she's only not seen me one day, but that little two-year-old, when I walk in the door, she comes running, screaming, Daddy, Daddy. And I thought about that. It's like, God, do I have that kind of a relationship with you that I love you that much? Or am I too mature? My two spiritual, you know, have I learned it all? Or, you know, it's just, God, Jesus is that moment of embrace where you and I meet God. We have our dad back. And for that, you should be very excited. You should be so overjoyed that you've found your father. We become adopted sons, Scripture says. Galatians 4 Verse 4, you can turn there with me if you want. I'm going to read this. Galatians 4, verse 4. Paul says, But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own children. And because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Daddy. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are His child, God has made you His heir. I'm going to ask you a question today. How do you know you're adopted? How do you know God is your Father? And I'll give you four things you can take home with you today. You can write it down. Number one, how do you know He is your Father? You know He is your Father when, number one, you love Him more than you love the world. That means that you love Him enough to separate your heart from the world and the cares of this world to separate your heart to Him. That you are literally, you've run towards Him. You've left the crowd. You know, there's this one video where uh, the soldiers are still marching, and it's probably one of the most, number one hit it, uh, soldier videos on YouTube about these reunions where the, the soldiers are still marching in, and this little girl breaks from her mom's arms, runs to her dad, and he takes her and picks her up. You know, it's that moment. Do I love God enough? Everything else, I don't even care if it's the time that I'm supposed to see him or called to him or if it's even the right, uh, I'm doing it out of order. You know, just running to God. Do I love God that much? I know that he's my father when I love him more than the world. Number two, I know he's my father when I trust him for all my spiritual and my physical needs. Matthew 10 encourages us, if he knows the sparrow that falls, he knows every hair on your head, trust him. Seek first him and his kingdom. His righteousness. No, that's his Jesus Christ. Trust him. Number three, I know he's my father when I love my neighbor, including my enemy, because he's commanded me to do so. Love is a choice to die for the benefit of someone else. And he showed me that he did that for me. And so he says, love your neighbors, even your enemies. I know he's my father. Number four, when I seek to do His will. 
Jesus says, you want to know who my mother, my father, my brother, my sisters are? There are those who do the will of my father up in heaven. Sum it all up is to say, you know someone's your kid when they look like you. I went to a family reunion this weekend, and a lady walked up to me, and she said, you're Mike Harris's kid, aren't you? I said, yep. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know. Uh, look like my dad. Do we look like our Heavenly Father? Act like Him, sound like Him. Do we see His character tricks popping up in us? It says, do you know He is your Father? The Holy Spirit has come inside of you, that the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's not that you're doing it any longer. You know, Israel cried out and said, God, you're our God, you're our Father. But they didn't act like it or look like it, and they didn't have it in here. And he says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and He's going to be in you. That, that Abba Father will rise from within. You'll cry out, God, you are my God. Do you love Him more than you love the world? Do you trust Him with all your spiritual and physical needs? Do you love your neighbor? Do you love that annoying family member you'll see this week? Whoo! getting quiet now. Do you love your neighbor? Do you seek to do his will? I'm going to leave you with this verse. Miss T, would you come? Psalms 146.5. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord. Who's your first call? Who's your first call? Is it going to be to your heavenly father, your dad? When that, that, that boat capsizes and the storms are raging all around, who's your first call? Do you have that such a relationship with your Heavenly Father? Who do you call out to when your faith is failing? When there's no justice for you? When you're going hungry? When your mind or your soul is imprisoned and you can't get away from the darkness? When the world beats you down and everyone turns against you and you're alone in the land of the wicked, how blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, our Father.